In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. We had to wait 34 years to find out the truth about Mexico City. And tell me there, tell me there wasn't a cover-up. When you got to wait 34 years to find out that the CIA is lying, and it's too late to ask anybody, well, how come you were lying? And James Angleton, when Winston Scott dies, flies down so fast to Mexico City that he forgot his passport, goes into his widow's house, threatens her with her pension benefits, and basically scoops everything out of his safe, puts it in a valise, sends a, a, a messenger team back to take everything else out, and flies up to back to Langley to make sure that nobody's ever going to know the truth about Oswald not being in Mexico City. Well, I think to call us a little paranoid is ridiculous. I mean, if you don't think there's something suspicious about that, something's wrong with you. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. 
Last week on the program, we talked about Lee Harvey Oswald in New Orleans, where he was involved with, well, he was the sole member of the Fair Play for Cuba Committee out there in the main street of a very conservative town distributing flyers for Fair Play for Cuba. A lot of uh, evidence would suggest that Oswald was a CIA asset and an agent provocateur who was sent there in order to infiltrate or discredit, I suppose, discredit the Fair Play for Castro Committee. Tonight, we're going to look at Oswald's time in Mexico City. And according to the Warren Commission, Lee Harvey Oswald traveled to Mexico City in the fall of 1963 in search of a visa for travel to Cuba and the Soviet Union. He apparently failed in that effort, returned to Dallas, where six weeks later, seven weeks later, he shot President Kennedy, supposedly. Allegations of a Cuban or Soviet conspiracy based on events and stories related to this visit bloomed in the aftermath of the assassination. They were apparently instrumental in the creation of the Warren Commission, and over the years, more and more has trickled out regarding a trip which ultimately remains enigmatic. And here, to sort out that little incident in Mexico City, is James D. Eugenio, co-founder of two organizations, the Citizens for Truth about the Kennedy assassination and the Coalition on Political Assassinations, and is the co-editor of The Assassinations, a book on the deaths of JFK, MF, MLK, RFK, and Malcolm X. He's the author of the recently published second edition of Destiny Betrayed, JFK, Cuba, and the Garrison Case. James D. Eugenio, how are you again, my friend? Good evening, Richard. So, let's dive right in. The fall of 1963, seven weeks prior to the assassination, Oswald allegedly goes down to Mexico City, traveling uh, there with the express purpose, we are told, of obtaining a travel visa to Cuba. So, set the stage for us. What, according to the official version, the Warren Commission version, what happens when Oswald gets there? Well, this is actually one of the most important chapters in my book, and I and it's a very very interesting episode in Oswald's life because uh, you said he was trying to get a visa to Cuba. That's not exactly correct. Okay, he was trying to get what they called an in-transit visa to go to Russia from Cuba. Okay. And this is one of the really big problems with the Warren Commission is they they never really explained, you know, um, why Oswald was there and the fact that he could could have done what he wanted to do, which is eventually get to Russia, by doing what he did when he first defected. I guess the best way to explain this is to, first, let's tell your listeners – what the Warren Commission says Oswald did. In the latter part of September, first Ruth Payne comes to New Orleans to pick up Marina. Oswald then, according to the Warren Commission, goes to Houston, although the Warren Commission cannot explain how he got to Houston. Then he picks a bus to go down through southern Texas into northern Mexico and all the way to Mexico City. I think on September the 26th or 27th, he arrives in Mexico City, checks in at the Hotel de Comercio, and then tries to go to both the Soviet and the Cuban embassies there to arrange 
for this in-transit visa to Russia from Cuba. He's totally unprepared for this. He doesn't have any of the paperwork, doesn't even have, according to Sylvia Duran, you know, he had to go out and get a picture made of himself. And after going to the Russian embassy, you know, and saying, well, look, you don't have anything close to stuff to get to, to Russia, he comes back to the Cuban embassy and he tries to lie to Sylvia Duran, who's the receptionist there, that everything is cleared at the Soviet embassy. She calls the Soviet embassy. They tell her, no, no, nothing is straightened out here. Okay. And Oswald leaves. Okay. Nobody knows what, because if you add up all the time he spent at those two embassies, you know, and on the phone, it's, it's like maybe at the most, you know, three hours. Right. What did he do for all that other time that he was there? There were allegedly several okay. phone calls and at least, according to some, he appeared there about five times in person. There were five visits, right. Right. You know, so what did he do all the other time that he was allegedly there? We really don't know. So when he goes ahead and finds out that he can't, he can't get anywhere, he can't do what he wanted to do, the Warren Commission says that he went ahead and got on a uh, bus and went back through Mexico into, into Texas, and he arrives around on the, I think, October the 3rd or October the 4th. Now, that's the Warren Commission. That's what they say happened. How did they base this information? Well, we found out, I think, in 1994, when the Assassinations Record Review Board declassified something called the Slauson Coleman Report, because these were two lawyers, Slauson and Coleman, uh, who went uh, to Mexico City at the suggestion of Richard Helms, the CIA, the CIA director, director of plans at the time. And um, they went ahead and they tried to get the information about where Oswald was and what he did. They never even interviewed Sylvia Duran, if you can believe that, who's probably the most important witness you know, in the whole journey down there. Well, yeah, okay. she was the one that was dealing with him most of the time. Right. She dealt with him more than anybody else, okay? But they never interviewed her, all right? And so they came back, and they filed a 30-page report, which essentially said what the CIA and the FBI wanted them to say. That's what it said. Now, when the House Select Committee was formed in the 1970s, Eddie Lopez and Dan Hardway were assigned to reinvestigate Oswald in Mexico City. Their report, sometimes called the Lopez Report, is over 300 pages long. It was not declassified in toto until around 1998. And by the way, let me add a, let me add a point here. Even today, in 2013... 50 years after Kennedy's assassination, it's still not totally declassified because there's a section in the report, an addendum, which is entitled, Was Oswald an Agent of the CIA? And that is not there. Plus, the notes that Lopez and Hardaway took while putting together the report was taken by the CIA and never declassified either. Yeah, we should point out that the, the, the Soviet and Cuban diplomatic compounds in Mexico City were thoroughly monitored by the CIA. I mean, you can understand right. why, obviously. So, Absolutely correct. They would have possessed tape recordings, transcripts of all of Oswald's telephone calls if, in fact, he made them. Right. Well, 
you're, we're getting a little bit ahead of the story, but that's a good point you brought up. So when this report, oh, let me explain why it was classified. Okay, as I explain in my book, when Eddie and Danny and Robert Blakey, who was the second chief counsel of the House Select Committee, see, because Blakey has signed an agreement with the CIA and the FBI that they had the right to veto anything they did not want made public in the House Select Committee report or their accompanying volumes. Well, when I interviewed Eddie at his house up there in Rochester, New York, you know, he said, Jim, the reason the report was not declassified at that time was because it took us like four hours to get through the first eight sentences. The CIA objected to everything, and so Blakey kind of just threw in the towel. If you actually read the report, the first part of the report is a rather tedious and boring technical discussion. But the reason that it's like that is because Eddie and Danny, and this is why the CIA objected to this, Eddie and Danny were explaining in that first part of the report why it is so hard to believe that the CIA cannot produce a picture of Oswald going either into the Cuban embassy or the Russian embassy. Because the whole first part of the report describes the five cameras that the CIA had monitoring the entrances to both buildings. One of which was actually a pulse-activated camera. And they explained this very, in about two pages, how this camera worked. Anytime there was a disturbance in the air, <laughs> in the air density coming out of the, I think it was the Russian embassy, this camera was automatically triggered to take a photograph. Let me just get you to explain very briefly, in a couple of sentences, why it's so crucial for let's say, the Warren Commission and those who were intent on building this case against Oswald, why it's so crucial for them to prove that it was Oswald in Mexico? Why is that important, that he was there? Oh, well, because the whole Warren Commission story is that Oswald was some kind of commie sympathizer. That's at least. If you go with the really, you know, the hard right guys in the CIA, Oswald was really supposed to be some kind of what they call sleeper agent. A sleeper agent is somebody, you know, who comes back from a communist country, lies low, and then commits some terrible act. Having him be this commie sympathizer, you know, and talking to these people at the Cuban consulate and the Russian consulate, and trying to get to Cuba and then to the Soviet Union, that then would set him up as part of the motive for being this disgruntled communist sympathizer for killing Kennedy. And they added that, of course, to the stuff he did in New Orleans, like getting in the scuffle, you know, with the Cuban exiles and getting arrested, etc. And this all, of course, then burst in to, you know, what you lead off your show with all the time, into the mainstream media, or what I like to call the controlled media, okay, you know, as in, in, in the public consciousness was blasted that Oswald was a frustrated loner communist who killed Kennedy. And that was his motive. That's why it's important for him to be in Mexico City to do, doing those things. Right. He's being very conspicuous, obviously, starting in the streets of New Orleans, as you say, distributing flyers in a very conservative city. And then, of course, the trip to Mexico, repeatedly trying to get back to Russia by way of, of Cuba. Now, back to these surveillance right. photographs. And I'm looking at one right here that is allegedly Oswald that's taken 
by a surveillance camera outside the Soviet embassy. And clearly, I mean, if you look at it, it's not Oswald. That's This is supposedly Oswald. How many photographs did they actually have to sift through? Thousands, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. They were taking photographs all the time down there. And by the way, I think I know, is the picture you're looking at of this kind of big, husky, football-player-looking guy? Yes. With a, with a crew? Okay, okay. Now, and he's, me, and he's got some sort of a satchel. He looks like we, he's... That we learned in the Lopez report. Okay. The CIA sent that up to the Warren Commission, and that was supposed to be a picture of Oswald. Once the Warren Commission got it, you know, they realized, well, what the, what the heck is this? You know, they're not even sending us the right pictures. Okay, so they called it the mystery man photograph. You know, and that was it. I mean, can you believe that? That's all they said about it. It's a mystery man photograph, a man outside the Soviet consulate. This is how good the Lopez report was and why it had to be classified. Eddie Lopez and Dan Hardway figured out who that guy was. He was a Soviet diplomat. He does you look know? Slavic. That's That was my first impression. I looked at this guy and I thought, hey, that looks like Vladimir Putin or something. He looks Slavic. <laughs> okay. They knew, they figured out who he was. And by the way, and this is how incriminating the Lopez report is, they said that the CIA, I don't know how deep you want to get into this. Can we talk about Ann Goodpasture? Let's take, let's take a few minutes, it? sure. I, I don't, so take a few minutes okay. and walk us through that. Ann Goodpasture was the person in charge of both the photographs and the taping system at CIA, Mexico City Station. She had the first crack at both the tapes and the photographs. She ostensibly worked for Winston Scott, who was a CIA station chief. But when I interviewed Eddie Lopez and I asked her who she was, said she handled all of David Phillips's operations down there because he was always flying around, you know, to the JM Wave Station in Miami or to Langley, okay, or New Orleans or, or Texas, okay. So she ran his operations. He had a dust down there. Let's just remind okay. people who Phillips was again. We talked about him last week. David Phillips is probably one of the most conspicuous people in this entire case. You know, and it came to be the House Select Committee had very serious suspicions about him being involved in the JFK assassination because he had been seen with Oswald in Dallas in late August of 1963. It turns out him and Jim McCord were running the anti-Fair Play for Cuba Committee operation for the CIA. He had a desk in Mexico City about which he lied about, you know, to the House Select Committee. And the assets that were sent to Mexico City to try and incriminate Oswald well, Hardway and Lopez found out that every one of those assets traced back to Phillips and then the coup de grace, as I have in my book, as he was dying, he had a conversation with his brother, James, who had always suspected that his brother was somehow involved, and his brother asked him, were you in Dallas the day Kennedy was killed? And Phillips, you know, was broke up weeping and admitted that he was. So he's a very, very suspicious character, okay, for all those reasons and even more. Well, it turns out Ann Goodpasture worked with David Phillips, and Hardway and Lopez figured out that she knew who that picture of really was. She knew it wasn't Oswald, and, but she knew who it really was, and she sent the picture up anyway. See, it was a very serious problem that they could not find a picture of Oswald. With the kind of coverage that they had, 
And they made up every single kind of excuse for not having a picture of Oswald. And if you read the Lopez report, every one of those excuses falls by the wayside. Let's get to the other problem, the very serious problem. In the Lopez report, they actually declassify all the conversations that the CIA said Oswald had in both the Soviet consulate and the Cuban consulate, but they even went a step further. They talked to the people who actually did the translations. Now, there's a table in the Lopez report in which they describe every one of these conversations. When you read that table, it's very clear that not only did they not have a picture, they didn't have any tape recordings. Because in every single one, it says, speaker spoke either poor, broken Russian or fluent Spanish. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oswald, as we've learned, was he was very fluent in Russian. His Russian was yeah, remarkable. It's just the opposite. He was more Oswald remarkable. Oswald spoke fluent Russian and lousy Spanish. So the question then becomes, well, wait a minute. First, you don't have any pictures. Now you're saying you don't have any tapes. Why don't you have any tapes? This guy's not Oswald. Clearly. Why don't you want to give us any of the tapes? Now, see, that threshold was never reached with the Warren Commission. It was never reached with the Warren Commission. Because the Warren Commission never, of course, printed any such table. They never got that far. And the Warren Commission never talked to the translators. Let's go back to um, Sylvia Duran for a moment and the, the consular general at the Cuban embassy in Mexico City. They supposedly, they I mean, they would have, they would have dealt directly with Oswald. Did they, what did they say when they were shown pictures of what Oswald looked like and the person that they saw? Who did they describe? Out of the four people that were interviewed, only one person said he saw Oswald. But the one person who said he saw Oswald had the worst view. He was way in the back in a doorway. All the people who were closest to and interacted with Oswald, like, for example, Askew and Duran, said that's not the guy we saw. And, in fact, when Sylvia Duran actually testified to the House Select Committee, she described the guy as being short and blonde. When they asked, well, how short was he? She said, about as tall as me. She's about 5'6", okay? And he had blonde hair. See, now, Oswald, of course, was 5'9 and a half and had brown hair, okay? So, obviously, the person she was talking to was not Oswald. Now, years later, Askew went on CBS television and turned over to one of their reporters the pictures inside the Cuban embassy of the guy he says is presented himself as Oswald. Now, guess what? Do I really have to tell you what the pictures look like? <laughs> it's a short guy with blonde hair. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so, so this see, this whole thing gets so fishy. You can see why the CIA did not want to deal with this with the Warren Commission. Because if all this would have come out in 1964, the, the Warren Commission would have had some serious, serious problems. Okay, why are they making up all this stuff about Oswald in Mexico City? Is, is, and, by the, and David Phillips, of course, later on, later on, in a debate he did with Mark Lane at UCLA, you know, said, when all the evidence is in, you will see that there simply is no evidence that Oswald was ever at the Russian embassy. Okay? Okay, let me you ask know, you then. Let, let me just, I, I don't want to get us off track here, but if 
Phillips or whoever was handling Oswald were able to, you know, they were ordering him to New Orleans and said, you know, go set up uh, the Fair Play for Cuba committee. Uh, and, you know, conspicuously, you know, get in a fight and deliver f- and, and, and hand out leaflets on the city. Make yourself conspicuous. Why wouldn't they have, if they really wanted to pin this on Oswald, just have sent him down there, actually sent him down there where he could have been photographed? Uh, okay, let me see if I understand the question. Okay, you're saying why wouldn't they send Oswald actually down to Mexico City and do those things? Is that what you were asking me? If they're if if they're trying to set him up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why why have why concoct this story that he went down there if he didn't and 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 not be able to? Well, I, I I think the reason is that Oswald didn't want to go back to Russia. He would have asked too many questions. Ah, okay, makes sense. You know, wait a minute. I was already over there. I didn't like it. The Russians won't accept me as a true Marxist because I'm not. Okay, so why do you guys want to send me back there again? Makes sense. You know? Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Now I, I, I don't know if you're ready for this, but I, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about Valery Kostikov. Can we go sure. there? All right. So uh, supposedly, while. Oswald was down there, whoever this person was masquerading as Oswald, and we'll get more into that. But Oswald supposedly contacts this this Kostikov in Mexico City, who's supposedly with KGB's Department 13. Tell me a little bit about this uh, Unit 13. All right. According to the FBI and the CIA files, Department 13 was supposed to be the KGB Covert Action Department in the Western Hemisphere, which is responsible for, as people discuss it, you know, liquidation jobs, which means, you know, killing people, okay? You know, and this information that Kostikov was supposed to be their representative under State Department cover in the Western Hemisphere, stationed in Mexico City, was very, very closely held, okay? As, as I describe in my book, you know, according to the, the best evidence I could dig up, all right, um, the CIA kept this kind of very close to the vest until the day of the assassination. All right, I got to jump okay. in here again. I got to jump in, James. We'll come back and continue right. to discuss Oswald in Mexico City, Episode Four, JFK connecting the dots with James D. Eugenio here on the Conspiracy Show. I love talking about Kennedy. I was just down in Dallas, Texas. You know, you can go down there and uh, to Dealey Plaza where Kennedy was assassinated. And you can actually go to the sixth floor of the school book depository. It's a museum called the Assassination Museum. Anyway, they have the window set up to look exactly like it did on that day. And it's really accurate, you know, because Oswald's not in it. Yeah, yeah, so... Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak to Richard live, call 416-360-0740. Welcome back. James D. Eugenio is with us. Destiny Betrayed, JFK Cuba and the Garrison Case. Oswald in Mexico City on tonight's episode. So here we have uh, Oswald sent, uh, supposedly Oswald, down in Mexico City trying to, uh, to obtain a visa to get back to the Soviet Union by way of Cuba, which, of course... Makes perfect sense if you're trying to to paint this guy as a commie simp uh, and having a motive to kill the president, uh, being uh, portrayed as uh, you know soft on on Castro and soft on Cuba and soft on communism. What better way then to uh, 
to uh, have Oswald suddenly appear in Mexico City trying to get this visa. Only problem is they couldn't produce photographs photographs of Oswald leaving either the Cuban or the uh, the Cuban or the Soviet embassy. Uh, nor could they produce phone calls. Tape, uh, taped phone calls, uh, keeping in mind, of course, that the CIA had both of those embassies heavily surveilled during this time. So, uh, as you can see, I mean, the, the case really starts to unravel at, at, at this point. Uh, now, James, further to that, though, they they really wanted to to, to paint this picture of, of Oswald as a as a commie simp. They have him supposedly uh, making a phone call to the Soviet embassy from the Cuban consulate. Uh, and calling this a uh, Valerie Kostikov, who is supposedly a KGB assassin. So let's delve into that a little bit. All right. Well, first of all, let me explain why this phone call is so important. Because if you take a look at all the other tapes that were submitted and the transcripts, they don't have Oswald in direct contact with Kostikov. So now there is this supposedly final phone call from the Cuban embassy to the Soviet consulate in which Oswald is actually talking to Kostikov. The problem with this final piece of evidence is Sylvia Duran denies it ever took place, and her voice is actually on the tape. So she says, wait, 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 wait. She says, hold it. Oswald never came back on the afternoon of the 27th. He was out of here before 12 o'clock. So I don't know where you guys got this phone call. Yeah, I've, I've heard... If, that phone call ever took place. Now, something so I... Now, if I, Could I just throw something you, in here, James? Because I have a question for you about sure. that. Now, I heard it, this... Supposedly, this phone call took place on a Saturday, and I heard that the Cuban consulate was closed on Saturdays. Right. That's another reason that that phone call is very, very hard to swallow. See, there's, there's different testimony as to this, but they were not open a full day on Saturday. So either way, okay, that phone call is very, very suspicious in every single aspect. So as many people, including myself, have come to think, that phone call is really a double forgery. It's not just Oswald. It's also Duran's voice being forged on that tape. Now, as we mentioned earlier, why did the CIA go to those kinds of links to do this. Do you want to talk about what happens on a day of the assassination, or do you just want to... Because uh, that's why this is so important. Well, yeah, but I, before we get to that, I mean, I, I have another question that, that uh, jumps out at me, and that is, if, in fact, the CIA had this information, these audio recordings, the transcripts, and they knew before Kennedy shows up in Dallas that Oswald, a known defector is in Mexico City making contact with a KGB assassination guy, I would think they'd turn that immediately over to the FBI in Dallas. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that foreshadows what's going to happen on the 22nd. Now, in my opinion, and this is the argument I make in my book, the reason this was not made public, because let's go back a little bit. This is seven weeks before the assassination seven weeks before the assassination, you would think somebody in the CIA would say, wait a minute, you know, somebody has to get this information out there that this Oswald guy was somehow 
in Mexico City talking to Kostikov. And we know who Kostikov is. But somehow this information does not come to the forefront in those intervening seven weeks. Hosty, the FBI guy, says, I never knew who this Kostikov guy was. They never told me. They only said he was a State Department employee. Okay? Okay, so I got to... How was I supposed to know? I got to jump in again. Yeah, this is a recurring theme, isn't it? Even one intelligence group saying we didn't get the handoff from the another intel- intelligence group, and we're supposed to believe that this was all just some sort of a screw-up. We'll be back. James D. Eugenio talking Oswald in Mexico City. Stay with us. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again, I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. James D. Eugenio with us, installment four of our ongoing series on JFK. Okay, so the FBI supposedly learns on the afternoon of the assassination it hadn't been kept fully informed by the CIA of Oswald's activities in Mexico City. So let's pick it up from there. What... What does it, I mean, okay. how does the CIA explain this away? Right. On the day of the assassination, in an after-action CIA report, it was revealed that the FBI called the agency when Oswald's name was first mentioned on the radio. That call was then passed on to James Angleton's office, and now Kostikov's true identity was revealed. So, in other words, this was being very, very closely held, the FBI calls the CIA, they're transferred over to Angleton's office, and now this information that had been so closely held is finally out into the system, okay? And it causes a huge panic throughout the intelligence community because obviously the interpretation these guys will put on it is just what I said earlier. Was Oswald a sleeper agent? sent back from the Russians after being turned into a KGB agent over there, laying low, and now meeting with Kostikov to get his assignment, which was to kill Kennedy. All right? You can imagine how these guys felt. All right? We blew it. We allowed President Kennedy to get killed. Yeah, I can see how that would... uh... Uh, that would be pretty disconcerting. I mean, and 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 the, yeah. and the CIA obviously knowing that they don't have definitive, they don't have any proof that Oswald was down there. They hold it back. They want right. 
they want to pin this on on Oswald, so they're not well, going to release well, it. Well, let's take it one step further, because I know you read my book. What happened is that the CIA sent a tape up to Dallas the night of the assassination. Supposedly, one of these tapes they had of Oswald in the Russian consulate. Okay, the FBI agents hear it, and they write a memo to Hoover saying. We've just interrogated Oswald. We've sat in on some of these interrogations of Oswald in Dallas. And this voice on the tape does not correspond uh, to the guy we heard. So therefore, we don't think this is Oswald. Now, to take this one step further, on November the 23rd, okay, he gets this, this picture, okay, which is, of course is not Oswald. All right, he has this conversation with Johnson saying, uh, you know something? Something's really funny here, because I got this report saying the voice on the tape is not Oswald. I got this picture that ain't Oswald. So there appears to be a second guy down there. Okay, all right. Now after this, as, as you read in my book, on November the twenty fourth, something unbelievable happens. Something really shocking happens. Everybody now goes through this dumb act that the tapes never existed. The tapes never existed. Okay, all we had was transcripts. Even though these guys in Dallas heard the tape. Okay? All right? Because now, of course, the CIA can't blow this and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Were you impersonating Oswald in, in Mexico City? Because that's obviously what Hoover, Hoover was thinking. Then seven weeks later, seven weeks later, Hoover writes on the side of this uh, marginalia of this memo that I don't think we should trust the CIA anymore because remember the snow job they gave us about Oswald in Mexico City. And by the way, if you read about the relationship between the CIA and the FBI, you'll see that it's this event that really begins to drive a wedge okay, between the two agencies. You know, not It was over the Kennedy assassination the Mexico City thing, and the whole Kostikov, not, not the Kostikov thing, but the Nosenko thing, which we haven't talked about yet. No. Okay? So that's, this is what happens with these tapes, okay, on the day of the assassination. Very, very interesting. To say the least. Now, just to jump yeah. ahead, though, is, it, was there not supposedly a recording of the telephone call between Hoover and Johnson in which they discussed the possibility of an imposter in Mexico City? Well, do you know the story behind that? I, I believe there was a documentary made about it, uh, something about a 14-minute gap in that tape. Right. Okay, there's, <laughs> there, there supposedly was a phone call about this, okay? But guess what? We don't actually have the phone call. All we have is a transcript, okay? And there's a 14-minute gap, okay, in the tapes in which suddenly we don't hear these guys talking anymore, Okay. All we're supposed to believe is a transcript we have of this. Now, of course, for someone like you or someone like me, considering we know how important this is in the history of the United States, this phone call between Hoover and Johnson, okay, that's a very, very interesting exception. The obvious question is, why? And why did the Warren Commission and why did the House Select Committee never get to the bottom of this? What exactly happened to those 14 minutes? Why aren't they there? And why is it so convenient, okay, at a, such a, a crucial time? 
if there was, I mean, this impersonator, was this as far as the, I mean, how did the CIA uh, or the Warren Commission attempt to explain? you know, explain this? Did they just say, well, oh, Oswald must have sent someone down to impersonate him? Is that how they tried to explain this? No, the Warren this Commission never explained it. They didn't. The Warren Commission never got that far. The Warren Commission never questioned what the CIA's materials were. Okay? They went along with what the CIA said happened. Now, the House Select Committee, okay, they went a lot deeper. But their report, their report, their actual um, report plus I think they had 12 volumes, never goes into all this stuff. Never goes in because the Lopez report was classified. So they never delve into all these different problems, okay, with the real story. See, what I'm telling you now, what I'm telling you right now, okay, on this conversation, did not become public knowledge until the 1990s, okay? Prior to this, the closest you got to it was Anthony Summers' book, Conspiracy, okay, which delved into Mexico City a little bit. And up until the 90s was probably the best information that we had. And he did explain a little bit of this stuff. But, he did, but since he didn't have the Lopez report, he really couldn't go into any depth about it. So what I'm telling you in this phone call is stuff that we got in 1997. I mean, isn't that pathetic? It is. I mean, isn't that sickening? Here, here's I mean, the other thing. We had to wait 34 years to find out the truth about Mexico City. And tell me there, tell me there wasn't a cover-up. Right. When you've got to wait 34 years to find out that the CIA is lying, and it's too late to ask anybody, well, how come you were lying? Okay. And James Angleton, when Winston Scott dies, okay, flies down so fast to Mexico City that he forgot his passport goes into his widow's house, threatens her with her pension benefits, and basically scoops everything out of his safe, puts it in the valise, sends a, a, a messenger team back to take everything else out, and flies up to, back to Langley to make sure that nobody's ever going to know the truth about Oswald or Oswald not being in Mexico City. Well, I think to call us a little paranoid is ridiculous. I mean, if you don't think there's something suspicious about that, something's wrong with you. Well, here's okay. yeah. Here's the other thing. Even if people listening to this program are still convinced that Oswald pulled the trigger, here's the thing: if if there was someone down in Mexico, and in, let's say Oswald did it, that means, and if and we know it wasn't Oswald, that means Oswald had at least one accomplice. So right yeah. there, from that standpoint, that proves there was a conspiracy. If he had one other person, if he had one other, other accomplice down there. That means Oswald was part of a greater conspiracy. There's no, there's no right. other way of getting around it. Yes. He was being aided and abetted. Right. Or if he's being impersonated then without his knowledge, same right. thing. It's, he's, part, he's a victim then in this case, part of a greater conspiracy. There's, there's right. no other way around it. I would say that's correct. Let, let me yeah. say something else because there's, there's a, a small part of the story that we, haven't, that we haven't told. Yeah, we have about three minutes, so... You, Yes. Okay, according to the Lopez report, this guy went to the National University and talked to a student there. Okay, well, guess what? When the House Select Committee interviewed this student that Oswald allegedly talked to, showed him a picture of Oswald, he says it, well, that's not him either. <laughs> okay, so in other words, it's, it's almost a blank slate. And then you've got to ask the question, why? 
Well, and I think you, yeah, you answered it. <laughs> you answered it off the top. They wanted to. If they're going to hang this thing on Oswald. You got to, you got to make him. You got to turn him into a communist sympathizer. You send, you got to send someone down to Mexico City to get this visa to have him in contact with this KGB assassin. Had this come out in 1964, how do you think the Warren Commission would have dealt with it? I know I'm asking you to speculate, but I really don't know how they would have dealt with it. I mean, I think knowing what I know about the Warren Commission, they would have lied about it. But the problem they would have had then is how are we going to bury the information? Do, do we dare print the information if we're going to try and cover it up? That would have been a real problem. Because somebody obviously reading the volumes would have found out, wait a second, they're full of baloney. Oswald wasn't there. I suppose they could have tried to, <laughs> to stick Oswald's head on somebody's body. <laughs> Lord <laughs> knows they've tried that before. <laughs> so listen, James, uh, this is fascinating. This is an important chapter. I think people tend to gloss over, you know, okay, he went down to Mexico City. He's, he was down there for a couple of weeks. He tried to get a visa. He didn't He didn't get it. He came back. This is crucial. I mean... Well, see, there's about 20 pages on this in my book, but it could, it could have easily been longer. It could have, with, with all we know about Mexico City. I mean, it really is an utter enigma of what the hell happened down there, you know? To this day, nobody can figure out exactly what happened down there, you know? Well, clearly, Oswald wasn't down there. I think that oh, much I don't we think do. so, no. No, I think that it, much it, we do yeah, know. Let's put it this way. If he was there, he did not do what the CIA and the Warren Commission said he did. James, on our next installment, I'd like, to, obviously, next uh, stop for Oswald is Dallas. and uh, yeah, talk returning and, to Dallas. We'll, we'll return to Dallas, and I'd like to spend, I know this part isn't in your book, but when we, you and I met in that hotel in Los Angeles, and you spent about close to an hour walking me through the whole mail order of the uh, the murder weapon, this is an incredible, an incredible piece of information that people need to hear. Oswald supposedly ordering the man liquor Carcano from the uh, the shop in Chicago. Kleins. Yeah, yes. let's do that, shall we? Can I can I give my book a little plug here? Please do. Okay, you can get my book on Amazon uh, either in uh, Kindle, Nook, or uh, Softcover. Okay, it's there. You can even get an audio book. If you like downloading stuff on MP3 players and listening to books, you can even get an audio book because it's available on that also. Destiny Betrayed, JFK Cuba and the Garrison Case. James to Eugenio, always a pleasure. Okay, Richard, I'll talk to you then. Thanks, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. <laughs>